You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We are in a series called Inspired. We're, we're challenging you to, to think bigger, to, to allow God to move you uh, in, in your heart to new places. And, and uh, we've been taking a look at some of the most inspiring stories in the world, in life, and in the scriptures. And uh, we're taking a look and seeing what they have to say about us. Some of the most inspiring stories, as well as in this series, we're unwrapping uh, what we believe is God's plan for us as a church in 2016. So I'm going to challenge you guys to, I mean, I don't want anybody to miss any Sunday, but uh, circumstances come up or you don't feel like getting up or whatever, don't miss, if you can't, a single week of this series. We are going to be talking, every week is vital to 2016. In fact, next year, uh, next week, I'm going to be sharing uh, a strategy plan for us. And then uh, one of the weeks, I'm also going to be laying out all our, all our, you know, our state of the church and all that in actually a service rather than before service. So uh, each week is vital. Today, we're going to talk about dreaming, inspired to dream, and I'm not talking about sleeping and, and what you dreamed last night. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about believing and imagining that God can do big things through you, uh, that, that God not only wants to, but he will. So um, this past, about a year ago, roughly a year ago in December, uh, we went to Washington, D.C., and we got to stand uh, in a very important place where this event right here took place. So check out this video. Um, well, go play the video first, and then come back to this slide. To join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands 
and singing the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. That speech was in August of 1963, and uh, that's just a clip of it. It's actually 17 minutes, and I want to challenge you all to at some point Google that and listen to all 17 minutes of that speech. It is an incredible, incredible speech, inspiring, and uh, it's filled with scripture and, and truth and inspiration, and, and uh, it goes back to the dream, it goes back to his dream. Um, you know, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, and we honor tomorrow uh, a Baptist preacher's kid who grew up in segregated Atlanta who, uh, who had a dream, who inspired a dream for millions, and, and he's still inspiring. His dream was, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, and I think we're almost there. But we're not there yet. Now, last December, uh, we got a chance to stand. That picture right up there is me looking over the, they have a little plaque right on the step, right at the place where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his speech. So you can actually stand in that exact space. And that's where I was standing, where I took that picture. And that's the, uh, the equal picture of that day. And uh, these are some of the shots. Um, what an inspiring experience it was to stand on that plaque where it says where Martin Luther King uh, gave, Jr. gave his I had a dream speech and to stand there and to know how his dream, how his inspiration has changed and still is changing, I believe, the world, not just the United States, but the world. Uh, he was not perfect, but God uses imperfect people to accomplish his plan. Now, God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. Dreamers dream. And when they dream, they dream of what could be, what should be, what might be, and what can be. Christians especially should dream big because we serve a big God. Now, some of them might say, well, I don't think, you know, some have told me that we should dream and talk about things that are not real. Now, when I hear that verse, or when I hear that uh, phrase, I think of this verse. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, a person with no dreams is sick in their heart. That's what this verse is saying. But when it happens, when we begin to dream, and when we begin to believe it can happen, and when it begins to happen, it's life to our spirit. So I want to challenge you. I want to give you some room to dream today. Now remember, this series is, is on two tracks. One track is, is the vision for our church, dreaming for our church, dreaming for what 2016 is for us and beyond, and also 
your personal life. I want you to think today on two tracks. What is God saying to you about our church? And what is God saying to you about your life? About the dreams that you have for your family, for your friends, for your finances, for your future. What are the dreams that God has for you? Two different tracks. Your dreams and the dreams that God might put in your heart towards our church. Dream big. It's been said Reach for the moon, because if you don't get there, you can at least grab some stars on the way. We have the capacity to dream. God gave us that ability. But here's what's neat. More importantly, we have the opportunity to dream with God. And this is, I think... A part of faith. Last week we talked about Abraham and inspired to believe, inspired to step out in faith, inspired to trust God. The key to dreaming is to move in the direction that God has for us, to move towards a vision, our mission for God. Now the Bible is filled with dreamers. Almost every single character in the scripture was given a word from God. And then they followed through on it, imagining and dreaming many times what could have happened or what did happen. For example, Noah, while he was in that ark crashing against the waves during the flood, dreamed of a new life, a new world, and a new start. Abraham, standing on barren land, dreamed of a family and a city that would bless the world. Joseph, while in a pit. His technicolor dream of being a great leader and a provider for his family. Moses, after speaking with God, dreamed of seeing a million people set free long before it happened. Rahab and Ruth, both leaving everything behind, dreamed of having a family. Gideon, while hiding in a hole, dreamed of freedom and healing for his nation. David, while running from a mad king, dreamed of the day when he would sit on the throne. Daniel, facing death, dreamed of a time when the Messiah would free the world. Nehemiah, while he was held up in a foreign land, dreamed of a city that would be a light to all of the nations. Mary, while living in a small town, dreamed of giving birth to the Savior of mankind. Peter dreamed that regardless of race, that we would all be able to worship together at the table of the Lord. Paul, while in prison, dreamed of taking the news of Jesus to those who did not know and have not known. John, while in an island cave, dreamed of a day when Jesus would bring everlasting peace to the world. Guys, dreams are from God. And dreamers hear from God. Here's how a God dreamer does it, is they hear from God, they buckle in, dig in, and they dream big. As God provides, he guides and empowers. Guys, here's what I imagine for us is a God dream is the type of person who you may not know all the details, but you put your seatbelt on, you buckle in, you grab the wheel, or you let somebody else drive, and you grab the bars, and you're just ready for a ride. You know some of those videos of people who are like on those like, uh, you know, uh, launching, you know, bungee cord jumps, and, and they're like screaming, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's, they're hilarious. Some of them with the kids and adults or grown-ups, but you know what? It's a thrill ride, and they're just hanging on. They're buckled in because dreaming is unpredictable, but boy, it's scary. But boy, is it exciting and an adventure when you let God direct the dream. What looks impossible becomes possible for the dreamer. Why? Because they know God is big. Ephesians 3.20 and 21 says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, the King James, uh, when I was a kid, I memorized that verse, and it was to him who is able to do, uh, um, uh, oh, I just went blank right as I was going to say it, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the the, the King James version. And I, I love how God says, you know, I want you to think of something great. I want you to dream about something I want you to imagine what God can do. Now imagine greater. That's what that verse is saying. Whatever you, whatever you cap off that God can do, just tear that cap off, tear that lid off, blow the roof off, and imagine bigger. Because he was, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. He says that more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. See, when I speak of dreaming today, I think of this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That was a word of God to Jeremiah at, at a time when he needed to know that God was on his side. Believing that God has a future for you, believing that God has a good future for you, believing that God has a plan for you, a good plan for you, allows you to dream. Guys, I want to allow you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to dream about your family, about your life, about your kids, about your marriage. Dream about uh, uh, what God would have for us as a church. Now, here's the important thing is holding on to and Finding what God's dream is, not just our dreams. We're going to get to that in a second. Because I have a dream for our church. And I have a, I have a dream that I believe is from the Lord for our church. And I, and I imagine a church. And I'm able, I believe that God is able to do more than we can imagine. But this is what I imagine. I imagine a church that is more concerned about spiritual growth than numbers growth. I imagine a church that emphasizes discipleship and missional living over an image. I imagine a church that serves the community in practical and spiritual ways. I imagine a church that not only moves in acts of justice, but also speaks boldly the truth. I imagine a church that is less about the Sundays and more about the Mondays. I imagine a church where every single person is a missionary in their community. I imagine a church that encourages and supports local ministries in the community. I imagine a church that provides opportunities for counseling and support groups every day. I imagine a church that uses modern methods without compromising any of God's word. I imagine a church that uses kingdom resources to build the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of an organization. I imagine a church where people can come daily to be encouraged and prayed for. I imagine a church where creative people can express themselves and get up and give honor to God to the gift giver. I imagine a church where the church is never about a building, but always about people. I imagine a church where those seeking, stumbling, and sold out can all grow together to know Christ. A dream is fuel for a vision. It's inspiration. It's a glimpse of what might be, what could be, what can be, what should be. 
What is a vision? Proverbs 29, 18 tells us what a vision is. There's a similar verse in Hosea. This is what the verse in 29, 18 of Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the word is chazon, which means to dream, uh, to reveal, or to see. Where there is no vision, where there is no chazon, uh, the people perish. Some of the other translations, that word perish means to wander aimlessly or cast off restraint, have no self-control or no limits. See, without a sense of direction, a God-given direction, then we just wander aimlessly. We cast off self-control and we self-destruct. See, without a vision, the people perish. Vision is seeing what God has designed for us But what has not happened yet, knowing our vision, we dream about what could be. See, I believe God has given us a vision for our church. And part of what we are doing this year, and part of what I want you to do, is I want you to dream about that vision. I want you to dream about what it can be, what it what could be, what God can do. Without a vision for your life, by the way, you your marriage will wander aimlessly. Without a vision for your family, without a vision for your kids, uh, they will live recklessly. Your life without a vision for your finances, you will cast off restraint and spend in ways that are self-destructive. What is the vision or the dream that God has given you for those things? Do you stumble and just wing it through life or do you have a compass, a vision that guides you? Now, without a vision also, our church will wander and lose our way. Without a sense of direction of where we were going, we will eventually just get apathetic and lazy and turn into a manager rather than a mission director, someone who's calling us to, into mission and to change. Now, I want to tell you something. As the pastor of Living Way Church, as the shepherd of this church that God has, has uh, my wife and I, God called us and appointed us and anointed us, I believe, to start Living Way Church. We planted Living Way Church. We started Living Way Church. Living Way Church was a birth, was birthed in our hearts years before Living Way even started. We were youth pastors at the time, and I believe that God was moving in our heart towards Living Way Church when we stepped out in faith and did it. Uh, we didn't know if it was going to happen, but God allowed it to happen, and And as the shepherd of this church, as the spiritual guide, the lead elder of this church given by God, uh, we have a vision that is affirmed and confirmed by our other leaders in our church. And our mission, first of all, is clear from Jesus, the pastor. Jesus is the senior pastor of Living Way Church. I'm the the shepherd that God has put over the church with accountability and with counsel from the other leaders that are joined with our vision. Um, And this is our clear mission from Jesus, and it's this, Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That means preaching the gospel to them, discipling them, and that baptism means that they have a true, born-again, regenerated life that they are declaring to the world through baptism. 
It says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, that's discipleship, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we implement this through what we call our 3D mission. It's in our worship guide every single week. Since day one, since the very first day of Living Way Church, our mission has been in the worship guide. And our mission is 3D. It's to discover, develop, and employ to help you discover the hope and healing of Christ, to develop maturity in Christ, and to deploy or release you into the world for Christ. Discover, develop, deploy. That's right out of Matthew 28, 19. Now our vision is how that mission unfolds for our church. So here's our vision as of January 2016. We started Living Way Church in 2003 in a house. And we moved into a retail center, and uh, we immediately, uh, within a year and a half, were in a movie theater. And we moved into this movie theater in 2006. And we've been in this theater for 10 years next month. Okay? be 10 years next month. We moved in the first week of February in 2006, 30 days after this movie theater opened up. So we were here brand new. The theater was brand new. And we just, and we love being here. I mean, this is a pretty good this is a pretty good environment, wouldn't you say? We got a big screen, man, great sound. I mean, we don't have to change the toilet paper. We don't have to replace the paper towels. We don't have to repair a, a leaky roof or or have pay for janitorial service. We just pay our rent. We pay we have a rent. We just pay our rent and we show up and we're out by 12. It's comfortable, it's easy, it looks nice aesthetically, it feels good. It's a unique experience. See, we don't want to be typical. We never wanted to be typical. We never wanted to be just a church because the church is not a building. The church are the people. The, the people are the church. The church is the people. And a living way will never be about uh, the church being a building. In fact, when we talk about what we're going to talk about, we're not talking about a church. We're talking about a ministry tool. But we've been here for 10 years, and, and in 2009, I uh, got cancer. And during that time, I spent a lot of time in prayer. God, what do you have for me in our life? What do you have for me in, in my family? And uh, God, what do you have for me as a pastor and for our church? And uh, shortly near the end of my treatment, when I was uh, starting to get my clarity back, and I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of praying, and God began to put on my heart a vision for the vibe. Now, I was looking over, and I'll tell you about the vibe. The vibe was birthed in my heart during that time. I was meeting with our leadership team on Friday night, and I looked at our, uh, I looked at our uh, state of the church addresses and our January and our July mission sermon series uh, over the last um, six and seven years, and guess what they all have in common? I talk about the vibe in every one of them. So what we're talking about today is not brand new. Okay, it's something we have talked about. It's something that we have kind of thrown out some uh, some some information about. But when when I shared that vision in 2009 and 2010, I felt like you know what, God, this is this is the next step for our church when that time comes. But until that time comes, we are to embrace this theater, man, enjoy the gift that is this location, what is this place, and just embrace it and thank God, and, and don't look, and don't, like, pursue other, just be happy with God has put you, and embrace it. When the time is right, we will 
move from here. And, and I tell you, each year I've, I've just kind of talked a little bit about the vibe and at Discover Living Way, our members class, I talk about the vibe. And during Living the Way, we, we have a time where we talk about the vibe because I'm always just kind of putting it out there as this is our life outside of the AMC. Now, last January in 2014, in 2015, sorry, in 2015, uh, I shared that this was going to be a big year of change for us. In 2015, and, and and I shared with our staff in January of 2015 that either 15 and 16, we're going to see a move in our church. Now, in 2015, we thought that maybe that was the year to move. We actually had some opportunities to merge with a church, and we had had some meetings with the churches that were struggling, that were looking for a pastor and wanted us to take over their church, and we've talked a little bit about that. Those were kind of things that were going on behind the scenes, and but it wasn't really God's timing. It wasn't God's place, and it wasn't really part of God's plan for us, and, and God did have a big change for us in 2015. It just wasn't the change I expected. So when we come into 2016, I feel, uh, I feel completely at peace about saying that I believe our time for the vibe is now. I shared it with our team this last fall, and uh, we had talked about it as a, as a leadership team in the fall, and uh, we had decided, uh, those that were in agreement with it, that we were going to move forward with this. And we were going to pray and seek God and his plan for us. Let me tell you a little bit about what the Vive is. The Vive is basically not a church. Okay? We are the church. This is important. The Vive is not a church. We are the church. The Vive is simply a tool for ministry for our church. Uh, the Vive is this. It's church on the weekends but used daily as a source of life. It's not something that is just open two days a week on Wednesday nights and Sundays, and then we're, we're begging and pleading for money on Sunday services to keep the lights on for like five hours a week. No, I believe that's a poor use of kingdom finances, and whatever we do, our goal is to eventually see that as a functioning place of ministry and life and activity every day a place for our youth to meet, and a place for local ministries to meet. We've already talked to Young Life. Young Life is interested in being there. Bilingual Prison Ministry wants to move their, their support group there. Uh, other support groups, um, other uh, recovery groups, counseling, Bible studies uh, daily, a resource center for the hurting but hopeful, uh, and events an events venue, a place of art, live music, and outreach events. It's a place where eventually, a, uh, eventually over time, that a volunteer-led coffee lounge will take place. But this, the Vive is not a coffee lounge. The Vive is, is the Vive. It's a, it's a place of ministry. That coffee lounge part will come as, we're going to unpack that later. I'm going to talk about that next week. There's three phases to the vibe. We'll talk about that next week. But it, eventually a volunteer-led coffee lounge. You see, this fits our DNA. This is our vision, and this is our dream. Now, over the past, you know, six, seven years, I've been like, all right, God, I'm just going to let you deal with it. And, and I know it's a dream from God, and whenever the time is right, uh, we'll know. And you know what? We know. I know. I know it is. I have complete confidence and assurance that God is, is leading uh, our church and leading me to lead our team and to lead us to the next chapter of our life, which means uh, things are going to be different for us. But it also means exciting. Uh, you know, we, I think we become very comfortable here. 
you know. And w- there's a lot of pluses and minuses to being here. And we'll kind of talk about that next week uh, as because there's actually a lot of minuses to being here that, that do not allow us to kind of to reach more people. And But we, again, this is not about a building. This is about a tool. Uh, the church are the people. For six years, I've talked about it, waiting on God's timing, and I feel now is the time for us to step out on it, to see the dream. Now, uh, we've been told uh, that we are just dreaming. We've been told that it's a fantasy. We've been told that it is impossible, but it is not for God. It is not impossible for God. It is not just a dream for God. We believe this is God's plan for Living Way Church. So, um, as we unpack this, I, I don't want you to miss the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about details about of what it looks like and how we're going to do it, the strategy to begin to see this happen. Let's take a quick look at two of the dreamers from that list earlier, one of the early dreamers named Joseph and one of the last dreamers of the Old Testament, Nehemiah. Let's look at two dreamers, and let's see what they can teach us about the dream that we have. Here's the dream with Joseph. He was the 11th son of a guy named Jacob. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a, had a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and the 11th son was Joseph. He was favored by Jacob because uh, he and Joseph's youngest brother were, um, I know this is, this is Old Testament, uh, they were from his wife that he really loved. <laughs> He loved that wife more than the others. See, there's a problem. There's, it brings division. There's a reason why God says you're to be a one-woman man, gentlemen. That's in uh, Timothy, by the way. Uh, here's the dream, Genesis 37, 4. But his brothers hated Joseph because of their father's partiality. He played favorites. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. What was the dream that Joseph shared to his family, to his mother and his father and his brothers? The dream was this. The dream was that he would be a ruler over all of them, including his parents. Now, If you're one of the youngest of the group and you had a dream that all of your siblings and even your parents were going to bow down to you, there might be some trouble. So here's what happens. They were angry, so they attacked him and threw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him, but they felt guilty. So instead of killing him, they took his coat of many colors that his dad gave him, and they ripped it up, and they dipped it in blood, and they told their dad that a lion had attacked and killed their son. And then they sold him off into slavery. And so he grew up, he was sold off at about 17, and he grew up in Egypt. After being a slave for several years, he was made overseer of one of the rulers of Egypt called Potiphar, named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar's wife tried to make the moves on Joshua, I mean on Joseph, and Joseph ran, and then she falsely accused Joseph of rape, and Joseph, though he was innocent, was thrown into prison for several more years. While he was in prison, he was called upon by the Pharaoh to interpret dreams because it was heard that Joseph could interpret dreams because he was a great dreamer. 
Now, when Pharaoh asked him about the dreams, Joseph said, here's the deal, Pharaoh. There's going to be a great famine, and you need to be ready. Here's what you need to do. Pharaoh was so impressed that he said, Joseph, you're the man. Why don't you be in charge of preparing for this famine? So Joseph prepared for it, and then when it happened, Joseph was made one of the great, the second most important ruler in all of Egypt just under Pharaoh because of his faithfulness to God. The dream had come true. Now, not only that, but when the famine came, so did his family looking for help. And they all approached him and bowed down before him. The dream became a reality. Here's Nehemiah, and we're going to come back to what these guys can teach us. Nehemiah, he has a whole book about him. By the way, Joseph is in Genesis 37 to 44. It's one of the longest sections in the Bible about a person in the Bible. Outside of Moses and Jesus, there's nobody else that has more about their personal life than uh, Joseph. In uh, Nehemiah, an entire book about him, he's a... I've done an entire series on him. You can look it up online and listen to it and get through the notes. Here's a flyover. The dream begins in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. It says, uh, Hanai, one of, uh, one of my brothers, Nehemiah talking, came from Judah uh, with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish um, remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days. For many days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven. And as the story unfolds, he begins to pray, he begins to fast, and he begins to say, God, what do you have for me? And he began to dream and see restoration in that place. And God called him and appointed him. The dream was this, that he was to move back to the land and rebuild the walls of that city. Here's what follows. The entire book of Nehemiah unwraps the story. He'd never been to Israel. He was raised a slave. He had limited influence, limited funds, limited support, limited abilities, but he heard God. I must rebuild the walls of the city. He faced hostility. He faced opposition. He faced resistance and an overall lack of motivation from the people. And avoiding distractions, he was focused on the dream, on that vision that God gave him. And he did it. Now, there are common factors among all the dreamers in the Bible, but I want to focus on these two guys right here. Common factors for the dreamers. To dream extraordinary dreams and see them come true. This is what we're going to have to do as a church, to see the dream of the vibe and your dream for your family, for your home to come true. Number one, you need to realize this. The big dreams begin with knowing the dream giver. When we align our life with God's life, when we submit our dreams to his plan, when we submit our will to his will, God does big things. Joseph had a humble heart with the Lord God, and God picked him and gave him a dream. Nehemiah, his position seemed to be an unlikely pick, but God said, because of your love for me, I will pick you. Guys, listen, Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I love Matthew 6 is a great chapter on God's provision 
focusing in on verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. We have got to get to the point where we are laying down our dreams to discover God's dreams. And when you are living and moving in God's dream for your life, God's dream for his plan for you, man, you can know and expect that God's going to do great things through you. Here's the second thing, common factors among the God dreamers, is that big dreams require big risk. Joe uh, telling his family, telling his friends, telling his parents, being a man of God in the face of sin He knew that if he was going to see God do what was on his heart, it was going to require that even his life would be at stake. In Nehemiah, telling his boss, who was the king, asking him if he might go back home, took risk. Accepting the change of moving into an area to a place he'd never been before required great risk. Uh, He knew that a new place, a change, would be a big risk for him. God-sized dreams require commitment, and sacrifice. Guys, if you are going to see God move in your life in the dreams that God has for you, it's going to require commitment and sacrifice. If we are going to see God work in our dream for our church, in the vision for our church, if we're going to see this, it's going to require big risk. That means it's going to require commitment and sacrifice. Here's the third thing a common factor among God dreamers is we need to expect opposition. Joe had opposition from his family. He had oppositions from his boss, Potiphar. He had opposition even from his friends. They often mocked him. His brothers called him the dreamer. That's never going to happen. You're living in a fantasy world. Nehemiah, he had opposition from those around them, uh, him, uh, those unwilling to change. Even his friends attacked Nehemiah. Guys, listen. Understand this. Even dreams from the Lord will have opposition. People will not like your dreams. And because of that, may not even like you for having them. Every great achievement faces opposition. Expect it, embrace it, grow through it. Often, our biggest rival to fight is ourself. Because a lot of us, our biggest opposition is our own insecurity, our own fear of failure, our own fear of not being able to do it. Tell you, I'm not going to let myself keep me from what God has for us. I'm not going to let people, I'm not going to let uh, my situation, our, I'm not going to let opposition because I expect it. I know God is in charge. Here's the next thing is uh, a common factor among God dreamers is that you need to expect some setbacks. Nehemiah had financial setbacks, attacks. Uh, Nehemiah was often attacked by neighbors, uh, by neighboring countries. He had little hiccups as well. He had big ones. He had setback after setback. Joseph, man, he was he went from the pit as a slave, uh, uh, sold into slavery. He went from abuse to uh, from the pit to uh, being falsely accused, then to prison. He was forgotten by friends uh, when he needed their help. And setback after setback, years after years, it took about 25 years for Joseph to go from that 17-year-old boy thrown in a pit to standing before his brothers as they bowed down and asked him for help. 
But when it's a dream from God, you don't give up, you don't give in, you don't give it away. No tragedy, no difficulty or setback would stop them. And by the way, Nehemiah's response to every, every setback and opposition, read the book of Nehemiah, every response was prayer. Prayer, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for this? What do you want to teach me through this? What are you directing and leading me to do? What's the answer to this? I love that. Here's the next thing, God. Uh, common factors among God dreamers is that God dreamers live a life of grace and forgiveness. Both lived with incredible integrity and faithfulness to God. Because there will be opposition, because there will be attacks, because there will be people who will not accept the dream or will not uh, go along with it or ridicule or put it down. Uh, Nehemiah never held a grudge on those who opposed him. He always gave it to God. Joseph, man, that story is an amazing story of grace and forgiveness. He knew pain, he knew grief, and he knew sorrow. And when his brothers came in, all he had to say was, the Lord had a bigger plan than your abuse. God had it. What you meant for evil, he said, God meant for good. Guys, listen, we have got to, if we're going to move forward with God, we've got to let go of the pain. You got to let go of the hurt. You got to let go of that resentment. You can't hold a grudge. You've got to let forgiveness and grace rule your heart. I tell you, being in ministry, Nicole and I, for uh, uh, 24 years in full-time ministry, there's one thing that we've learned from year one. And boy, was it a tough year that first year and a half. Uh, we were attacked in ways that we never imagined were possible in ministry, is that we learned that if we were going to be a people that God could use, we had to be people of grace. We had to be people of forgiveness. We have to walk in forgiveness. That's what a great dreamer does. See, I love this. Joe's grace is reflected in the names he gives his two sons. Genesis 41 51 and 52, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, which means God has made me forget. And said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And the second same son named Ephraim, which means doubly fruitful, he said, because it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Guys, just the names of his sons. Every time he called his children, he was calling blessed and forgiven. He was calling, uh, he was calling the one who has allowed him to release the past and calling the one who has called him blessed into a new beginning. He never let his past, his struggles, his abuse, his attacks, his condemnation, he never allowed those things to tear apart his dream because a God dreamer lives a life of grace and forgiveness. And here's the last thing we need to remember about the God dreamers is that it is never about the dream. It is about the plan of God. See, Joe, for him, it was never about being in authority. It was about honoring God and doing God's will and being a provider for those that needed it. In Nehemiah, for him, it was never about making a spectacle of himself or building this great kingdom. It was about honoring God and seeing him glorified and seeing people reached and healed and helped. See, this is how you know your dream is a God dream. You're wondering, how do I know if, the, if what I want to do with my life is a God dream? How do I know if this is really a God dream or my dream or a selfish dream? God's dreams are not selfish in nature. They're always others focused. They're not selfish. God dreams are always about seeing people set free in Christ. That's how you know it's a God's dream. 
our dreams are always selfish-oriented. God's dreams are always others-oriented. And by the way, that means some of your dreams must die. That means some of your dreams you must lay at the altar to find God's dreams. Our dreams can never be our master. There is only one master. Jesus Christ. And all of our dreams, all of our plans, all of our goals, all of our agendas, they must be laid at the feet of Jesus to find what he has for us, his plan, his will for our life. So you see, the vibe is God's vision for us, Living Way Church. Now, what the dream of the vibe does not mean, I want to end with this, it does not mean that we will ever change our faithful weekly proclamation of God's word. The vibe does not mean that we will stop yearly events like camp or outreaches or special events. The vibe does not mean that uh, it will stop or inhibit daily ministry or that it will ever be neglected. I want you to realize this. I don't just show up on Sundays. All week long, I have, there's ministry going on. I'm meeting with family whose who family passed away. I'm meeting with those who are needing counseling. I'm uh, reaching out to those that need help, uh, doing discipleship. You know, this is part of the ministry of God, and these things will not change with the vibe. So I'm going to ask you guys, the vibe does not mean that it will be our focus. The building will not be our focus. It's just a tool. It's getting dark. I'm going to play a movie in here. Ride along, I believe it is. So I'm going to ask you guys this. Will you ride along with us? Good segue, huh? Will you ride along with us? Will you dream with me? Will you imagine with us? I want to read Ephesians 3.20 and pray with you right now. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Enabled, ever. He is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So will you dream with me about the vibe? See, there's basically just two people in the world. There are those who dream and those who dream and do. So will you do something great with us? I believe 2016 is going to be an amazing, exciting, adventurous, mysterious year for us. But I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some change especially knowing that God is with us, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. Well, next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack our strategy for the dream and how it's going to become a reality. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that God in this room, there are dreamers. God, I pray first of all for the dreamers. God, who need a miracle in their life. God, there are those here that dream of having their family back. God, there are those that dream of having their marriage back. God, there are those here that dream of having their finances to where they're not broke all the time. God, there are those that are single that dream of, of being with someone special and, and uh, getting married. God, there are those uh, here that are dreaming that their children would come to know Christ or that that friend that they love so much would meet Jesus. God, these are dreams that I believe that are God dreams. God, help us to know the difference between a God dream 
and a selfish dream. God, those are beautiful dreams of restoration and healing and of seeing people come to know Christ. And God, I pray that you'd help us to not give up on those dreams, not to give up on those uh, visions, not to give up on, on that mission to see those people reached, to see that family reached, to see our family made whole. God, help us to not give up, give in, or give it away. But God, help us to dream a dream that's your dream. And God, I pray for those here today, Lord, that have questions about our future as a church. God, I pray that you would allow them to dream with us, that they would get excited about the dream. God, I pray that you would lead us in this dream. Head bowed and eye closed. I just want to make this one last comment. While Jesus was on the cross, he said this. Well, the Apostle Paul said this about Christ on the cross, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. While he was on the cross, he dreamed of you. While Jesus had his arms outstretched, nailed to that cross, bleeding and naked for the world to see, you were on his mind. He was dreaming of you. And for the joy set before him that he could see in his mind, he could see the salvations of millions and millions of people in the future. He endured the cross with joy because he saw you. See, his dream was you. His dream was you. His vision was you. Will you give him your life today? He loves you so much. He gave his life for you trying to live your life it's just not coming together will you lay your life at the feet of Jesus will you lay your dreams your plan your will at the feet of the cross his plans for you are good his plans for you are hopeful will you take a moment just say Jesus here's my life go ahead in your own words Jesus here's my life Here's my heart, here's my plan, here's my, my dreams. Some of you, you, you're a Christian, but you need to lay your dream at the feet of Jesus. Will you do that? God, here's, here's my dream. God, maybe you'll have me pick it back up someday, but right now, I just want to lay it at your feet because I just want your will. Go ahead and tell them, people. God, here's my life. Your will be done in me. God, help me to see what you have for me and help me to dream about that. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.